Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I have Monish Cartier on uh, on the podcast. Looking forward to chatting with him about uh, um, his uh, his business and being a dad and kind of uh, all of his travels. He's getting ready to do some travel over to uh, to America. You'll hear from his accent that he is not from America, but uh, uh, we'll get into some of that and kind of have some some chats. So, um, all that said, Monish, please go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Uh, let us know about you, your family, uh, and your business. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Monish, and I'm from Brisbane on the east coast of Australia. Uh, and my wife, Michelle, and I have owned a design and construct residential uh, general contracting remodeling business for the last four and a half years. And we've got a 18-month-old son named Max Cartier. And I didn't mention this to you, Adam, but we just found out we're pregnant as well with our Yay! second one. So, yeah, super excited. And... Uh, we, yeah, it's, it's, you know, again, the start of that journey when you, you're finding out and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, super excited and excited awesome. for Max Congrats. to be big brother as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically, and I also for about a year now, I've been a construction business coach. I, I work with an American firm called the construction leading edge and I, I work with quite a few Americans and Canadians and, People from the UK, Australia, New Zealand as well, um, and work on Zoom, which is a lot easier than working on a construction site and, and driving mm-hmm. around all the time and things like that. So, yeah, get to spend a lot more time at home now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then spending the time at home is going to be even more important when baby number two comes along. Because like when yeah. you have the, um, uh, the bio that you said, you said you were, you were going to be tr- your try for number two. So now you yeah. come on here and tell me that you, that's success. <laughs> success. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, look, it's early days and, you know, we, we yeah. kind of hope for the best, but we've, we decided like there's a lot of when people f- fall pregnant and, you know, it's, it's, it's the culture here anyway, when you're super excited, like you've just been at you're pregnant, you hold off till week mm-hmm. 12 or whatever till you're at, you know, but we like, I know people that have had miscarriages and stuff and yeah. they haven't, being able to then share that and, you know, the grieving process and not exactly. have a support system. So we're just like, well, it is what it is. Like it's, you know, we're pregnant. We're super excited. Hopefully it all goes well. But if it doesn't, yeah. we've got our family and friends who knew what's happened as well. So yeah. I'd rather it's just- the same thing my wife yeah. and I said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, it, why not have that? You have the support system. You're looking for the support system for um, being pregnant. So why would you not want the same support system if, if, you know, for some, uh, for some unknown reason you lose, you lose your baby, you know? So to me, that was the same thought process. Like, let's celebrate. Well, I want to celebrate now. I don't want to celebrate in 12 weeks. Yeah. Like, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So. My wife's like, man, you're horrible at keeping secrets. I'm like, it's not a secret I want to keep, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, we were at a 
um, or I was at a event in Nashville um, for a GoBundance Go Abundance event, and um, we had just found out we were pregnant. We hadn't even told our family yet, and I like I was just sitting there and I was I was like giddy. I was like, oh, guess what? Baby number three is on the way. Like, because we were we were trying for like two and a half years. We tried for baby number three, and and uh, yeah. um, and now we have Diana, and she's you know completely loved by her two older brothers. So it's a, an absolute blast. But um, but yeah, the, watching uh, watching the older sibling, you know, take care of the 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 baby is just so much fun you're gonna really enjoy the yeah. heck out of that so. yeah we gotta start yeah. teaching in there that the oh, attention yeah. is gonna be split <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. yeah and it, to me it was including including him i mean we have a, a little bit bigger of a gap you're only gonna have a two-year gap but we had we had a four-year gap in between um so there was a lot more conversation that was able to be had and a lot more helping yeah. that was able to be done and like hey you, you know you're, you're gonna be able to help raise and now both of them <laughs> now i mean it's every four years it seems we have a kid i think we're about done at this point but um uh but now both of them are obsessed with helping their little sister and like, Oh, they'll go get diapers and they'll help pick up this and they'll help go do that. And like, Oh, let's get that. Like they just, it's, I don't know. I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah. Well, it's almost it's, like I'm a fan of being a dad. So we, I even get on calls and talk to people about it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's always funny like hearing about stuff like that. Cause so my wife's the third, um, mm-hmm. she's the third daughter and <laughs> there's, there's like, so her mom used to say that she's, she was the slower one out of the three simply because the oldest daughter would just mother her, you know? So if she tried uh-huh. to crawl or reach for something, the oldest one just give it to her. So she feels, Michelle's mom feels like Michelle's been kind of ripped off a bit because <laughs> she That's wasn't funny. allowed to, you know, develop as quickly, but she's all right now. She's 34 years old and I think she's developed. Okay. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what the what happens now that because we've got two boys and then the girl for the youngest. So I'm wondering if that's going to be the case here, where these two are going to be, you know, fathering all, all the time, like being very cautious yeah. or hey, don't do that, and you know, do all the. But um, I don't know. These guys are adventurers. They want to like uh, climb on the <laughs> roof of the house and you know do backflips onto the trampoline and do all the stuff. So you know, I think they're going to nice. be dragging their sister into craziness more than they're going to be protecting yeah. her from craziness. So it'll be <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. So, what have you thought the first year and a half of being a dad? What have you thought about the first year and a half being a dad? Yeah. Well, it's so it's funny, you know. You, like it's we we talk about business and stuff like that. My my perspective instantly changed, like literally the day Max was born on on mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I've I've always worked. I, I've definitely been a workaholic, and a lot of a lot of that is because of the way my childhood was and and growing up and stuff like that. And um, I've always just pushed and pushed and pushed with my career. And it's you kind of if you have like the wheel of life and you look at the, the various aspects that that are balanced out well. My career was just massively doing better than other mm-hmm. areas of my life. Like I, you know, I worked six day weeks. Even when I was at home, I'd be either working or I'd be reading business books and, and studying and stuff like that. Like when I, so I'm a, I'm a carpenter by trade. And when I did my carpentry apprenticeship, which is a four year apprenticeship here, I also went to night classes and studied a diploma. Um, after that, I got my GC license when I was 22, which is quite young here. And I quickly found out I know how to build. I don't know how to run a business. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we didn't really, you know, like this is 12 years ago, there was no such thing as coaching and, and YouTube and stuff like that, right? It just didn't exist. So I, the only thing I knew I could do to improve myself was to go and study more. 
So I went to university and enrolled myself in a construction management degree, which I decided to do full time for. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that again going back <laughs> because I did that full time while working full time as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I got to like by the time I was, I think 20, 25 years old, I, I was a commercial project manager again, quite early to, to get to that in my career. And that was, that was hard in itself, uh, adjusting to that. And then, yeah, I just got absorbed in basically just work, work, work. Keep improving, keep improving, work, 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 keep improving. Mm-hmm. And um, we we went, we moved to London for a year uh, about six years ago, and that's when it sort of changed a bit because I I kind of feel like when I when we went to London, I was like, well, this is I'm working here, but it doesn't really matter whether I do well or not because I'm going to go home and start my own business. That was always the plan. And um, so while we were there, I started kind of getting away from being addicted. To work mm-hmm. in a sense and you know we, we were traveling heaps like we had after that year we spent five months just traveling through western europe just sort of like backpacking through awesome. and you know it was just like like rehab like not going to work for five months like not not doing anything i still i still work up at 4 a.m i've just always done mm-hmm. that and um I'd, I'd study and do business planning and stuff for when we knew we were coming back and starting stuff and we came here in January 29th, started our business, and we've done really well, like quite successful. Um, and <clears throat> I got to a point when Max was born last year where I was basically doing about eight hours a week in our in our business. Um, but then I found out, like, yeah, it's shorter time, but you're dealing with real high-level stressful stuff, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it kind of takes its toll because it's not like you come to your laptop, you do eight hours worth of work, and you leave. When you're dealing yeah. with that sort of stuff, you take it with you. And it's yeah. easier to say, you know, people are like, yeah, I just disconnect. And it's like, well, I couldn't do that. Like I, I tried to, but it was very hard for me to be present with my family while not thinking about there's a mm-hmm. lawsuit going on or whatever else, you know. So it, we got to a point about six months ago where we made a very bold decision to basically have a semi-retirement. Like we, we've decided to shut our construction business down and like wow. it's you know no one's no one sort of that i've spoken to has questioned why would you do that like are you going broke and stuff like that. Like over here we there's, there's a website called house which rates gcs and stuff and we've got five star rating we've got like awesome clients we we were quite profitable our employees were happy subcontracts happy and stuff like that but the thing is like after max was born i realized I basically have until he starts school, until his first day of school. We've got this time where we can do whatever we want with our kids, mm-hmm. right, and and give them that good start in life. And then once they start school and they've got their own sort of structure and routine, we can jump back into doing whatever we want with our businesses. Like we'll probably like we own property and you know and things like we've been good with investing. So financially, we're at a place where we could do this, and that was in part thanks to me working and same with Michelle, thanks yeah. to us working so hard over the last few years. And we kind of just decided, all right, let's just take five years off and and just dedicate it to our kids. And then just, you know, after that, we'll probably do like multifamily developments and, and stuff like that eventually. But for now, just leave it all aside and, and just do stuff with our kids. So I told you, um, you know, we next or in September this year, we're going across to the States for 11 mm-hmm. weeks we're just hanging out there for 11 weeks i've got a conference to go to but other than that just you know there's no 
specific intention while we're going there. We love traveling, so we want to do that with our kids. And yeah. we've also decided the year before Max starts school, we're going to go to Europe again for the entire year. And we'll do like three months in France, three months in Italy, three months in Greece, and three months somewhere else to try and decide. But the, the idea there is like we're spending basically as much time with our kids as possible yeah. before they start school and they go off and do that sort of stuff. And it, it really was like when Max was born, the, the sense of fulfillment that I got was mm-hmm. like nothing compared to every one of my achievements leading up to that. And yeah. I was just like, all right. And it's, it's sort of, like I said, it comes from my childhood because I didn't, you know, I, I had a pretty challenging upbringing, I suppose. And I, I grew up going like the ideal, the, the number one goal, I suppose, is that I want to be a really good father, you know? So, mm-hmm. Everything I did, like, and even when I worked and stuff, the motivation there wasn't so much money and stuff like that. It was just like, I want to, I want to get to a point where I can provide for my family and, and, mm-hmm. you know, them not having to go through what I went through sort of thing. And so when, again, when Max was born, you know, going through my goals, I was like, I've ticked everything off with my career. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. there that I feel like I haven't done and I need to hang in there sort of thing. And I said, oh, I think it's time to, you know, hang up <laughs> the backs basically and and now if my goal is really to be a good father how can i improve on that and the easiest yeah. way is just time let's just give him more time because what i found out with with kids man it's like you don't have to have an agenda or a plan or or mm-hmm. whatever right like if if i just sit on the couch with him for two hours he's happy as like he he'll just yeah. all he wants to do is just have me around and he'll play around me like, I don't have to actually have a plan to, oh, we're going to do coloring now or whatever. Like, yeah. He'll make his own games up. But if I'm not there or Michelle's not there, he's kind of longing for us to just be present, basically. And, um, yeah, the, the, getting rid of the business meant, you know, I don't get phone calls, I don't get emails and stuff like that. So I don't mentally switch off. It's, mm-hmm. it's nice and wrapped up. And I can just mentally be present. And, yeah, it's been quite great. So... It's 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 a bit controversial, <laughs> like yeah. you know, giving up your business for that. But I think it's at the end of the day, like you kind of ask yourself, why do you have certain goals? Why why do you want to run a successful business? Why do you want to, you know, make so much money and stuff like that? And for me, the end was always family. So I was like, oh, I'm yeah. just going to start with what's on the right and work my way to the left. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, go with the end in mind, right? What the goal is in mind, like you're gonna make much better and much different decisions than if you just like as I've, I'd love to say I don't understand why people do nothing but strive for money because I do. I, I get that, especially if you don't yeah. come from from much. Uh, but at the same point, yeah. like if there's got to be a why behind it. If you don't have a why, like the money's not going to fulfill you, right? I mean, it's just yeah. not. It's not going to yeah. like hitting all those check marks, hitting all those things. I mean, the amount of awards and things that I've got from the military and bouncing around like that doesn't it doesn't do it. Like I've I've had a lot of cool titles, and to your point, like the second that I was called dad for the first time, it was like, oh my goodness, like broke my heart. Like it was like, yeah. well, filled my heart. I should say, I didn't break my heart. Like I just like filled with joy. I just absolutely love being a dad. Um, but you know, you mentioned a couple times, and I want to go to it. Tell me a little bit about like how you grew up and, and uh, uh, your dad and uh, how that may be affected or um, how it maybe changed your thought process on being a dad. Yeah, sure. So it's like, so it's, I grew up in, in Mumbai in India 
right? And like we, so me and both my parents moved to Australia when I was in grade 11, when I was 16. And growing up, so I, I grew up in a, in a one bedroom apartment with my parents and my grandparents and my auntie as well. So it was a pretty crowded house to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I know now, like I'll, I'll go on two different tangents, but what I know now of my mum is that my mum's mum was like my mum's autistic and I didn't know that growing up, right? I actually didn't know that till about two years ago until she kind of revealed it herself. And it made, it made a lot of sense, but mum basically like, and I've seen mum with, with Max and how, how she struggled to handle things like Max crying, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a very, like the whole sensory thing. I don't know if you know much about autism, but like noises and, and things like that are quite disturbing. And, and yeah. I saw that. And now she's, she's fantastic with Max, by the way. Like as, as he's gotten a bit older, she's actually been a, been a big part of his development because coincidentally, she's an occupational therapist. <laughs> so she works mm-hmm. with kids with autism and, and stuff like that as well. But, um, so. The, the thing, though, on the other side is, like, as as a child, mum wasn't very empathetic. She just doesn't mm-hmm. have the capacity to. It's not that she was a bad person. She just doesn't have the capacity to. So, like, I didn't get, like, hugs and cuddles and stuff like that from either of my parents growing up, right? And um, with mum, like, she she had a lot of anxiety um, and she she would go into, like, fits of rage and stuff like that as well. So, I'd, I'd get a lot of violence from mum. Like, it was... I know now it was un- unintentional, but mm-hmm. as a kid, you don't understand that. Like, as a kid, you just, you think something's wrong with you, right? Like, as you, every time something like that happens sort of thing. And on the flip side, my dad was, he, he was an alcoholic. Um, he, very narcissistic. Um, like, he, that didn't work and stuff like that. Like, I was in a, you know, my, my parents were in a sort of like a domestic violence type relationship. Like, I, I saw that too much too often mm. um again a lot of violence from my dad with me as well no no love or anything like that and the the effects of that like as as you kind of growing up in that environment which is completely unsafe you develop these very negative core values about yourself as a person because mm-hmm. you're just as a kid you just kind of do whatever you have to do to cope with it right and eventually you sort of just you start then separating from your parents. And it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment called Hold On To Your Kids. Um, it's by Gabor Mate and another individual. I'll have a look at that in a sec, but it's quite eye-opening. And um, as I was growing up, like, and, and I found this out, I, I ended up going to see a psychologist when I was 30, probably like extremely late, <laughs> but you know, I probably should have gone. <laughs> but, you went, like, but you went. Yeah, but I went. Yeah, I went. And um it it was it was quite revealing, like you know what, how much I I went to psychologist because I thought there was issues with my career, like I was burnt out, mm. and I thought this is what's going on, and it all traced back to my childhood, and and these negative core values that were entrenched in me, which were that I'm not powerful uh, and that I'm not good enough, sort of thing, and now I know, like going through that process, is that. It wasn't like it had nothing to actually do with me. It was, you know, I was just born in that household mm-hmm. and it was just the way the situation was. But growing up, I had a lot of, uh, 
I and then again, like we moved to Australia when I was sixteen. So growing up, I tended to when I was in Mumbai, I'd, I'd try and not be home much. You know, because mm-hmm. if, if home's unsafe, you don't want to be there. Basically, yep. so I'd be with my friends or or whatever. And I I went to the same school from like kindergarten till grade eleven. So I had the same peer network growing up. And then I moved like at sixteen, I moved countries. And I had no one, basically. Yeah. And then I found new friends here and I they they're some of my best friends today, even, right? And this was eighteen years ago or something like that. I came mm-hmm. here. Um so again, it, the same pattern followed. Like I'd I just wouldn't want to be home. And that led to, you know, when you're a teenager, it leads you to do a lot of things that you shouldn't because you're influenced yeah. by your friends instead of your parents because you just don't have a good parent role model sort of thing. So, you know, I I got in a bit of trouble like going through high school and, and, and stuff like that. I, I used to get really good grades and I just stopped trying, started skipping school, started doing stuff that you probably, probably shouldn't. Um, and then eventually got into the trade and, and went through doing that. But I, when I, when I got into construction, it was kind of like I knew this is what I can be good at. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was one of those things where compared to school, I enjoyed it. And if I, whatever effort I put in, I got out. So if I worked hard, I got promoted and, and things like that. So it just became a natural fit. And that just kept going up and up and up and up. And I just mm-hmm. saw like the harder I try, I get that good feeling. I don't feel like I'm not good enough. I don't feel like I'm yeah. powerless. I didn't realize this at the time, but you know, it's just something that naturally kind of built up. And so I just, I just kept going. But eventually, as I said, that kind of turned into an addiction <laughs> because it's yeah. like you'd never got to a point where you were like, all right, man, this is cool. Like I can, you know, this is home. I can stay here. It's like, no, nah, I gotta, I gotta keep pushing myself and achieve the next thing so I can be good mm-hmm. enough then and, and things like that. But also on the side, I, I, I had this voice in my head that was always my compass was to do the direct opposite of everything my dad turned out to be. Yeah. So, so, you know, I was like, I can't take time off because, you know, my dad was, he was just a bump. And so it was like, if I take time off, I'm going to end up like him. So mm-hmm. That meant I worked overtime. Like I just, it was just about work sort of thing. Like, and things like that. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a healthy relationship with alcohol myself either, which you kind of go two ways, right? Like you, you either just completely leave it aside or you get into it too early. And I started drinking when I was 16 and, and mm-hmm. binge drinking and, and never really had any control until really like a few years ago, until very recently sort of thing. Um, and there was, there was always that element that, of guilt for whatever reason that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the fear that I, I look a lot like my dad and I'm just like, one day I'm going to end up being like him. I'm just going to turn mm-hmm. out like it's inevitable. And so I was just constantly running away from that. Um, so it, going through the psychologist, like we worked on a lot of things, uh, a lot of s- specific events through my childhood that were quite traumatic. And it was quite interesting the way she did it was, uh, she did this thing called EMDR, which is like eye movement. It's mm-hmm. it's basically something that's used for PTSD and and stuff yep. like that. Uh, and that's what I had. Like I, I have night terrors and and all that sort of stuff as well. And um, going back into my childhood memories, like she basically helped me replace 
my image as a child with my image as an adult, like with my, mm-hmm. like I could see my hands on my adult size hands and stuff. So it kind of, it changed how that memory worked against me to me just going in there and be like, no, nah, I can handle the situation because I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a big guy. Now. Um, and that helped quite, so, like, I couldn't believe how much that changed my internal dialogue because every time there'd be a stressful event in life or whatever, like I would react, you know, out of fear, like most people do. Like even even if it's anger, yep. it's usually starts with fear, and mm-hmm. you go back to your inner child and what your inner child's feeling instead of how, and it'd always be an overreaction. Um, and that was particularly hard, like through COVID and stuff, because everyone was just, you know, it was a it was a period of high anxiety and stuff like that. But it, I was glad that I'd started seeing a psychologist before the COVID period to go through <laughs> all that sort of stuff. And so in terms of timing, you know, by the time Max was born, I had dealt with all these issues. I had kind of dealt with my past and uncovered it in a way where I'd never really attempted to even go there. Like it's, you know, when something's bad, you just kind of bury it and go, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to turn around and look back. I'm just going to keep moving forward. But it was important to do that because once I fixed that, now that when I parent Max, I've got an awareness of certain things where I'm projecting my insecurities on him. Yeah. Whereas I don't, I don't really need to sort of thing. And a good example of that is when like when he cries in the middle of the night, you know, we, we eventually ended up getting a, a sleep consultant, things like that. But when he, when he does that, like we were told to leave him alone and, you know, he self soothes and stuff. And it definitely works. Like I 100% agree with it. But in that moment, like when he's crying, and he's calling out Dada and, and Mama and stuff like that. I couldn't, I, I, my instinct was just to go and pick him up because yeah. I, and you know, going back, although I knew like he needs to go through this to learn, it kept going back to me thinking of myself as a kid. It's like, I mm-hmm. wish there was someone there to kind of come pick me up, you know? So I, I'm a lot more aware of how I react when I'm under stress now and why that's coming from my past. So I don't project that onto it and try and stay out of it. Absolutely. That so, is phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that it takes a a lot of work to get to that point. I, you know, applaud you for for pushing through that and and doing that because you know I I talk to a lot of people about about your well everybody a lot of people have heard of you either running from something or you're running towards something right um and oftentimes if we have um uh, some sort of childhood trauma you or whatever you see in your parents you know uh there's there's that image um of like a a child being abused by the dad and then the child grows up and it goes around the circle and then that dad now is abusing the child and then grows up into the and it's just like this circle of of crap unless you're somebody like yourself who is strong-willed strong-minded realizes what's going on and runs away from that um yeah you know that can also be unhealthy but you figured out how to take that running away to facing it and realizing what it is um and i think it was dr kelly flanagan if i recall correctly was at a go abundance event last year um and he was talking about that same thing you were just saying about the the inner child right that that fear of going and going back into um you know those fears and that that those reactions are oftentimes just a just the, your inner child, your childhood needing to be you know forgiven or you know apologized yeah. to you know like that type of thing. Um, 
and so when you were saying that, I was like, man, this is like exactly like what Dr. Flanagan had talked about. It was, it was really cool yeah. to, to kind of hear and um, putting that perspective on it. I really, uh, that's, that's impressive. How much, how, how much time would you say that it took or like to really start to like tear down those, those previous images and, and put in, you know, a, a, a more positive self image to, um, you know, I, I call it usually like a wireframe, like you have a wireframe that your brain always goes back to, um, yeah. you know, just like, uh, uh, you know, it, anytime there's hurt or there's pain or there's whatever, and it's time to react to something, you go back to a wireframe and you, you move forward. Um, but sometimes you have to tear that wireframe down and build a new one. How long yeah. do you think it took you to kind of tear that wireframe down and, and build that one that you can relate to now? Well, I, I guess my, my journey with the whole self-awareness and self-reflection would have started around 2015 is when I started journaling. So I heard on the Tim Ferriss podcast about how he journals and, and things like that. And I was like, yeah, I'll try this out because the other, the other downside I had was I, I was very cagey with my emotions. So my, my wife, like we've been together for 13 years now, I think. And, you know, she like for, for, for more than half of that time together, I didn't tell her how I felt about anything. I was just kind of like, yeah, I just had, you know, it's just work. Like I didn't, I didn't reveal to her on how much stress I was actually under mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was doing certain things. And so I started journaling because there was, at the time anyway, it was a very, I guess it's a male thing, right? Like I didn't share that with anyone, not with my mates or nothing. I was just like, this is my problem and I've got to fix it and I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it on my own. I'm not going to look for support or, or make my problem someone else's. <laughs> So I started journaling. As I started journaling, you know, it, it helped me think in that linear pattern and, and actually ask a few more questions of myself and reveal stuff. And then you kind of, it's like opening up Pandora's box in a way. Yeah. Like you go, all right, well, this, I'm feeling this way, but it's not because of what happened today. So why is this happening? And, mm-hmm. and things like that. And then eventually when I went to see the psychologist, I found out about the, you know, when I'd have nightmares or night terrors or whatever. And I'd wake up not remembering them, but I'd wake up angry or depressed mm-hmm. or or whatever. And I, I and I man, I remember there'd be days when I'd journal in the mornings, and I was like, I just don't understand why I'm angry right now. Like, why am I angry? I didn't like nothing bad happened yesterday or, or whatever. Like, yeah. it just didn't make sense until, and and that's when I was like, I'm as far as I can get. I need mm-hmm. professional help. You know, I had to admit that to myself. I had to get professional help. And the funny thing is when I started doing that and I started telling people about it, especially with my friends, and they were like, oh, yeah, I get that too. Or, you know, I've had panic attacks or I've had this and I've had that. And then, and then I found, like, there was a lot of power in vulnerability in the sense yeah. that every time I'd open up to someone, they'd share something and I could actually help them. I could say you should go do this or, you know, go see this person or, or read this book or whatever. And then that would start their journey. And I then, I then realized that there's, there's a lot more people that do need someone to talk mm-hmm. to. Like, it, you know, it's amazing what like a one minute or two minute conversation, the difference that can make in someone's life in the long term. And, um, <clears throat> so it's, it, yeah, it started with journaling, but you know, like I started doing that what, eight years ago now. So it mm-hmm. takes a long time. It's, it's super difficult. Like, when you go to those, you know, when you go and sit down with psychologists and go through those sessions, it's hard. It's very yeah. confronting going back into your memories. Like she, before we started off, she, she told me to write down a list of my 20 worst memories, right? As a kid. And it was just like the most 
triggering thing to actually just write this list down. And I got down to yeah. 12 and I ended that in and I was like, look, I can't. That's, that's as far as I can get. I can't really think of anything and beyond it. And then, you know, <laughs> she probably shouldn't have said this like in a professional thing, but she started reading it and she was like, she was getting angry. And she's, yeah. she said, look, it's surprising that you're at this point in life because reading through this, you should either be a drug addict or you should, mm-hmm. you should be suicidal and you're neither of those things, which is great. And I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> Success that's number important. one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I, but, I, but I, I found out through that, like there's, there's, there's an element that if this is something that I found out and it's helped me quite substantially, I need to share mm-hmm. with people. I need yeah. to share with people so that they can, they can go, yeah, I can go through this myself and it's okay when you get to the mm-hmm. other side. Like, if anything, your life's going to be better because mine is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it takes time and it's, it's super challenging. But, you know, what isn't? Like, you, yeah. you, if you're trying to lose weight and you go to the gym, it's hard, but mm-hmm. you're then healthier at the other end. Like, same yeah. with, with anything you guys do for work and, and achievements and stuff. Like, yeah, it's hard, but there's something, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, the, the, the psychology side of it is really, it, it hits me hits home with me a lot i mean we're i'm a you know military veteran and we you know in america we have a 22 veterans a day committing suicide you know mm. and it's like you know that's a that's a massive loss of, mm. of talent of skills of you know fatherhood and, and motherhood and and brothers and sisters like just a massive loss of of um, human capital um yeah that uh, that breaks my heart you know and, and to think that you know if we can get more people to be uh, be able to open up about a lot of that stuff you know and deal with their their ptsd or the things that are going on in their life like it's um especially when you you look at a military uh, group like you're you feel like you're told that you have to hold everything in um you know like that's that's just what we do we hold it in we hold it in especially you know we're men we're, we're holding this in nobody's going to hear about it you know and for me, there was a, a couple moments with my wife that you know I finally opened up. I've I've been through some stuff, but nothing compared to some of my some of my um, uh, coworkers and friends. And it's just one of those like if if it helped me just to open up my mouth to my wife, just to just get some vulnerability, um, having somebody to listen to, even if even if she has not like she's no degree, no nothing, just a set of ears. And yeah. that was all I needed, you know, and it, like the amount of weight that it took off that, uh, that I, I, I hope that people build it up inside of themselves to, to open their mouth. And, you know, I'm hoping that you're inspiring some folks to just like, Hey, let me just go talk to, even if it's their spouse, if it's their whatever, you know, maybe it's not professional help yet. You know, you took a few years of just journaling and trying to work through it yourself. But, yeah. You know, getting that help is, is an unbelievable life changer that, you know, is, is very freeing. Um, and it sounds like it was the very similar for you. It's kind of a freeing moment for you. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think you're going to be a much better father for it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I said, I think you're going to be a much better father for it too. You know, like you having that freedom and having that, you know, I I would venture to guess, you know, between that's probably also why you love to travel as much as you do. Like there was such a, you know, you were, uh, you, you feel that freedom now and it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like you already had and had it ingrained in you in a negative way to be traveling and being away from the house. And then now, you know, you uh, stayed so focused at work and you're like, no, I could do this in a more freeing and comfortable way. Let me go travel and be away from the house. 
in yeah. my on my terms, not because I'm forced to, but on my terms. Like, do you think yeah. that that is, is part of the reason why you want to go out and do all this travel, or is it just because I, I'd never thought about it that way? But yeah. it totally makes sense now that you said it that way. Like, I, I, when when me and my wife met, I was like, travel's a waste of money. Like, you can't, you know, mm-hmm. if I, I, if I'm traveling, I'm not working, I'm not earning any money. That was that was how mm-hmm. bad and toxic my mindset was then. Yeah. And she basically like you know, coaxed me into traveling over time. And then I just loved it. And and now, like I said, like with, with my, all my goals were like based on my career, right? Like other mm-hmm. than, other than the end goal of being a great dad, which is kind of like a slow burn. Like you're not going to, yeah. no one's going to give you a medal overnight and stuff like that. Right. It's just something that you find out it's intangible, but you find it over time. So all my, because my personal stuff's ticked off. I'm now looking out for, all right, how do we fulfill Michelle's girls, how do we fulfill Max's girls? Like, what do I need to do mm-hmm. to to tick off their bucket list or whatever? Um, and Michelle loves to travel, and so every time we go away, it's just all right. Where do you want to go? And literally, like, we, we when we did that five month trip traveling through Europe, I didn't know where we were going the next day. It nice. was to me every day was a surprise, and it was awesome. Whereas Michelle yeah. is very meticulously planned every single day. She's got a spreadsheet going and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think. You know, part of it probably is like because because the way I am, I guess it kind of works in well with Michelle, and that's you know mm-hmm. it's really awesome that we met, and and she's been like great with me. Like, there's it was pretty funny. Like in the early years, instead of me just opening up, I would just try and break up with it. Like I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I'm probably not. I'm probably not good for you in the long term. Like you probably just need to go and find someone else. Like that was how bad I was, you know? And like now looking back, you think about that and go, man, like how did I not realize that there's, I should go see someone? How did I not realize that there's something seriously wrong? Um, But, you know, we, our strength is communication. Like we, we communicate quite well. Um, Part of it was, like I said, Michelle used to work in the States. So we had a long distance relationship for about a year and I came and visited twice a year. But the rest of the time, We'd just be, you know, emailing or, or on Skype back then. Mm-hmm. And it forced us when you're not physically present, because it's, it's easier when you're physically present to just sit on the couch and watch a movie. But when you're not physically in the same room, all you've got is just talking, right? Which is yeah. fantastic. Cause like we've kept that still. That was 11 years ago. We still, we communicate every single day and, and quite well. Um, so I think the travel thing, the, the adventure thing, is now not so much me running away, but me realizing that, you know, it's such a big open world out there. And, mm-hmm. and I'd love to, I, I'd love my kids to have perspective on life, like not just grow up in a sheltered environment and, and think this is it. Like, especially, you know, over here in Australia anyway, like life's really good. There's mm-hmm. like, the sky is like a very distinct blue color. <laughs> like you don't, you know, we lived right near nice beaches and and like there's low crime. It's pretty like life's pretty good here. But mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in that environment, so I want them to kind of and not just where I grew up, but like go and see where other countries how they're doing stuff. Not just the bad stuff, but what are they doing better? Or how could we mm-hmm. improve lives here and and things like that? Because you know, deeply, I'd like my kids to be entrepreneurs as well when they're older. Yeah. And I feel like that perspective is probably going to give them more of a base than anything they're going to learn in school or college or whatever. I completely agree. Yeah, that's, I mean, 
Acton Academy is one of those that, that's talked a lot about in uh, for schools like here inside of GoBundance. There's quite a few folks who have gone to an Acton Academy, and they they're much more about um, learning through life than they are learning through a classroom. Um, like uh, learning through more experience and and you know involvement with each other, and it, they you know that. Uh, to, um, one of my buddies, Sergio. If you haven't met him yet, he's also in Gobun and Sergio Altamare. But he's phenomenal. And his, you know, inside of his class, um, inside of his daughter's class, they're like, "Look, you could travel all you want. That's fine. Like, and that's one of the reasons I, I want to start homeschooling my my kiddos because I like to travel. I like to be able to go places. Anytime I go on a Gobun trip, I'd love to be able to bring them with me. And you know, if I'm going on any other, anything, like if I'm going to go check on one of my businesses, I want to be able to bring them. Um, uh, so. Like to me, all that travel and that experience sets them up so much more for life than you know go, going through learning to move when that bell rings and learning to you know go through and like I mean, it, imagine the uh, I, I got to travel the world as an adult um, and traveled the country a little bit as a kid. Um, the exposure that I had was well beyond anybody that I went to high school with, you know, and and then. Yeah. When I went to college, after I got out of the military, I was like, I'd already been to Iraq, Afghanistan, Korea, been around the world, like exposed to all sorts of different things. I'm going to college with kids who never left the county they were lived, they were born in. Yeah, I'm like, I just it boggled my mind, you know. And it's yeah. like you haven't you you have no experience in life. You have no like, how are you getting a basis? Your basis is coming from whatever this teacher is telling you, and that is yeah. not the world. Like, go out and yeah. see the world. Like, go and enjoy it. Like, the world is is where a majority of your learning is going to come from, you know, but yeah. for whatever reason, we're stuck in this pattern of no, 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 you have to do this in school and you have to do this and you have to get these check marks. And it's like, no, no, I don't. I think you're gonna be much more, like you said, much more set up for life um, by, by seeing all of this other stuff and being exposed to the good yeah. and the bad in life. And um, you know, I think you're on, you're on the right track. I like it. Yeah. We've, we've got a plan. So I, you know, because of the way I, my schooling was and to me like school was great like besides besides teachers and stuff the the peer network was great mm. and not just in india but over here as well um i i didn't do too well at school because i didn't care about it like you know like like you said with with the teachers saying do this do that i just mm. didn't do it and I, I still turned out okay in the long yeah. term but but what what i've thought about like compared to homeschooling so we in a school year here, you get 12 weeks of school holidays, right, where the kids don't go to school, mm -hmm. and that's spread across the year. And so what we've decided to do is with those 12 weeks, we'll travel, and we'll travel in a way nice. that supplements our kids' education. Like as an example, if, if Max is studying geography at school, right, and they're talking about the snowy mountains or, or whatever, where we don't have them locally, Mm -hmm. the next school holidays, we'll go and visit somewhere that it snows. So he's actually connecting what he's learnt in theory with, with practical life. Like what does it actually look and yeah. feel like to touch snow, for example? So, you know, I, I didn't see snow till, geez, I, I can't remember how old I was. I was in my 20s sort of. So, mm -hmm. But I learnt about it in primary school. So I, yeah. I, there was like a 20-year gap between when I learnt that there's snow that exists to when I actually got to see it. So there's things like that. And I, and I figured, like, yeah, there's, there's good schools, bad schools. And we've already picked out that our kids will go to ideally good schools. Like Michelle went mm -hmm. to good schools here. And so she's, she's gone, you know, that's what's going through. Um, but I feel like education starts at home. And so yeah. it should be... When Max does go to school, 
you're you're paying, I suppose, the school or whatever to teach him certain curriculum, but you've got to support how he absorbs it and what he mm-hmm. does with it next. Another example I'll give you is so both Michelle and I, like we we started work quite young. Like I started work when I came here when I was sixteen. I had two jobs through high school. And Michelle started working when she was, I think, 14 and a half or whatever the legal age is here. And and we both kind of worked in supermarkets just doing the, the checkout sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Michelle said, that, you know, when, when our kids are older, they're going to have to go to work as well and, and do all that. And I said, no, they, they, need to, they need to learn how to make a living and understand the value of money and stuff. But I don't want them yeah. to go and work in a supermarket because – they don't have to do the same stuff that we did. I said, why wouldn't we, like, considering our success hasn't come from when we worked in the supermarket, it's worked from when we invested in real estate or we did, mm-hmm. you know, we started a business or whatever. So I said, I would rather us teach our kids at that young age how to start a business or how to invest in property. And we could be the bank and we could still, you know, give them a loan and that they have to pay back so they actually understand yep. that there's no handouts, but we're in a position to do that for our kids. So why wouldn't? Why wouldn't we allow our kids to start working on financial freedom from when they're like 12 years old? Why would we allow them to go into the same system that everyone else is and mm-hmm. then learn how to, you know, how to pack grocery bags? Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but we're just at a, at a point where we can provide our kids to have a better education in terms of personal finance. And I'd rather yeah. do that. No, I, I love that thought process. I mean, I've been doing the same thing with with my boys and talking about finance and um, investing and how all of that works and trying to get them on that right path. Because, you know, it, like I joined the military because I didn't know there was another option, right? I mean, it was just that's what both of my parents did. So that's what I did. Um, uh, probably why you got a, a job at the supermarket, right? I mean, that that's that's the jobs that they have for 16 year olds. I'm going to go do that, you know, because you didn't know there was another option. Um, but if we could teach our kids like, no, there are, there are other options. You could be, I, if he wants to, if one of them want to join the military, go for it. You know, I it's, but just know there are other options and yeah. like, that's not, you're not forced into doing any of this, but if I could teach yeah. you how finance works, how to, you know, how to manage your money, how to build a business, how to do all of this stuff from home, like that's an advantage that, I definitely did not have. Um, yeah. yeah, but I but I love the the you know I have the same concept on I'll be the bank and you owe you owe the bank right yeah. you're still going to owe me yeah. like, there is no free ride um, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, we just went yeah. and did uh, um, this like uh, shark tooth hunt thing right so there's this this spot that used to be uh, a long time ago up um, part of the ocean and they just kind of they keep digging up a bunch of stuff and they could, you can find like megalodon teeth and all this all this stuff. Oh, wow. um, so my son, uh, I got a couple, you know, a small one that that they they left in here for me. Wow! Um, yeah, but uh, we had like I don't know two hundred and fifty dang little shark teeth, and I was like, <laughs> son, what are we going to do with two hundred fifty shark teeth? Right. So then we looked it up, and I said, all right, well, how about you make some necklaces? Right. We could set this up. You make some necklaces. We could sell them for X amount of money. This is how a business works. We can build all this stuff, and we've got an au pair so they can, you know, put all these things together. And I said, and then we'll we'll make a business plan where you know you guys pay me X percent until I get my money back, and then we split it to something. So I'm always trying to think of these types of things to get them thinking in a different way. Um, uh, They haven't started making them though. I need to. I need to get on that. I need to be a better CEO of that company and get that uh, get that up and running and see if I can get my investment yeah. back. But uh, they're probably looking but, I mean, to hire someone else to do the labor. Exactly. That, not not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But it's got to come out of your wallet, you know. So it's a- <laughs> and that's the other thing. Like 
I want to teach my kids to not have to sell their time for money. Like yeah. that should, you know, because I did that quite a fair bit myself. And so mm-hmm. I want to teach them that you can do passive investments. So you can figure out how to make money work for you or, or you know, provide jobs to other people who want them to, to then earn mm-hmm. a bit of a cut off it sort of thing. And if you're doing that at an early age growing up, it allows you, like you said, like if they want to go join the army or whatever, like you can follow, let's say, your passion. You can follow something that's, that's as an outlier or as a niche instead of having to finish school, go to college, you know, be an undergrad, like just follow that path and then eventually mm-hmm. in your 30s try and get to a point where you're financially free. Whereas yeah. if, you, if you're financially free first, if you attain that first, I said to Michelle, like, they could then pursue something that's, you know, they could go into something that's super creative maybe, which doesn't pay yeah. a lot of money. But if, if, if you have the space to do that, you'll be really good at it, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have to do it to earn money, you can be more creative. They can go into science and work on something super niche and, and end up, I don't know, doing space exploration or whatever. Something, again, quite a high barrier to entry. You know, you've got to put a lot of um, hard work into getting there. But if yep. you don't have the, the necessity to have to, you know, I've got to earn money to pay rent so I can't go and study this. Uh-huh. Hey. <laughs> we have a visitor. You going to go get the pool? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you're wearing your swim shorts and you're coming and getting on camera with no shirt on. Oh, speaking of the shark teeth, we're just talking about the shark teeth. And they're a little shark tooth necklace. Oh, go. nice. Yeah. You going to make some of those shark tooth necklaces we talked about? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll, yeah. All of a sudden now. Yeah. No, no, not wanting to earn the money now. Is that the problem? <laughs> you might. Um, you had said something that I wanted to comment on, and then I had uh, an eight-year-old visitor show up, and I don't remember <laughs> what it was that I was going to comment on now. Thanks, buddy. You're you want to say hi? You say hi to Mr. Monish? There you go. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Listen to his accent. I hear you're starting a necklace business. I can't hear very well. He said he hears you're starting a necklace business. <laughs> what do you think? You want to do that? I mean, you've told me yes, and now now it's an I don't know when I get you on camera. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. I've told him he needs to start a YouTube channel, too. No, uh, I'm not going to. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Daddy's going to get back to talking, okay? Give me my headset. Rascal stealing my headset. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to being a dad of an eight-year-old. Good luck. Yeah. This is what you have to look yeah. forward to. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he still has the, the other uh, part was, of my headphone. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, what was it that you were mentioning that I wanted to make a comment about? Ah, the disturbance of the eight-year-old. That's uh, so I was I was talking about passive investing, right? Teaching teaching kids how yes. to have a passive income so that they can. Yep. And same thing if they want to be like professional athletes and stuff like that. Like where mm-hmm. basically anything that you can. You have to put a lot of effort in, not be paid for quite a while to yep. to become successful in that area. They can choose that field if there's passive income already coming in. Yeah. So that's now where I, I want to teach my kids from an early age how to do that. Yeah. That, so I love that setting them up for that level of success is like it. 
amazing, right? And then I look at that and I think to myself, so there's a reason I started the Biz Dad podcast, right? Because I think that um, not that moms are not important. This is not at all what the purpose of this statement is, but dads have an extremely important role in the family. I, I don't remember the study, but it showed uh, here in America, at least, that um, uh, single parent households ran by just the mom, um, uh, the child has much higher risk of, of getting arrested, much higher risk of not, not graduating high school, much higher risk of, of all the stuff. Like a two parent household is the number one predictor of a child actually graduating high school, not going to jail, um, and, you know, becoming, becoming a, uh, um, uh, for lack of better terms, productive member of society. Um, fatherless households result in, uh, going to jail, not not graduating high school. I mean, it, that doesn't mean everybody, right? But that's statistically a much higher chance. And if a single parent household that is the dad running it is not as not as good as the two parent household, but better than just the mom running it, um, and that doesn't mean again that the moms are not um, important. I I could not do what I'm doing if it wasn't for my wife. My wife mm. is unbelievably important in this house. Um, uh, but. I think that having the emphasis on the father being there is extremely, extremely important. And then I look at it and go, okay, well, if you have a single mother household, right, that mom has no choice but to go out and get one or two jobs, which means they're not able to even help their child be successful um, and have those opportunities because they, they can't, they're still doing nothing but trading their time for money because they don't have any other option. There's not that, you know, uh, ability to go out and build these things and to do these things as, and as uh, possible in a two parent household. Um, and it like, the importance of being able to express that to a child and give them those opportunities. Like that's what we should all be striving for. Um, and I think it's a blessing that we're able to at a different level because of where, where we're at the successes that we've had. Um, uh, and, and not everybody is able to have those successes, but man, oh man, even in our businesses though, we can provide an opportunity for our employees to be able to, to earn those and be able to bring their kids in on things. And like, to me, like the, I, I just love being able to give the kids the opportunity I wanted to be a dad since I was like 13. So like, yeah. like seeing this and like being a dad and say, oh, how can I make an impact and how can I make other people's children even more successful? And, you know, I just, I, I love, uh, I love the, 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 the thought process that you have on that and the passion behind it. So I completely yeah. agree. I want to be like, I think we should all be trying to set our kids up for success. You know, there's plenty of parents that just float through parenthood without, without a why, without a reason, without a drive. It's just, well, because, you know, because my wife got knocked up, I'm a dad, you know, like, holy crap. Like that's a terrible reason to be a dad. Like, you know, yeah. like just because, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, somebody, some random person I met got knocked up that, uh, you know, now I'm a dad and it's like, man, just the intentionality behind it is extremely important. And that's one thing I've loved about talking to go abundance guys is that's where a lot of us, you know, we have that drive to have that whole family, your, your whole life millionaire, right? Like it's like, I, yeah, it's yeah. plenty of people, like you mentioned at the beginning, like your, your, your success in business was by far, uh, by far and away better than any of your other successes. So you were, you may have been a millionaire in this one category, but yeah. man, you had a massive deficit in these other categories over here. And that's where I think that, you know, we're trying to set our, our families, our kids up for success in that way. And I think that's, Again, that's that's awesome of you. I, I love hearing it. I also um also see if it as a quite a substantial return on investment in terms oh, yeah. of my time, right? Like if if I if both Michelle and I have gone and done all that, we've done the hard yards, and we have now capital which we didn't have when we started our career. Mm-hmm. So we can teach our kids to use to utilize capital basically, 
Like, yes, as a 12-year-old, you can go to a bank and get a loan to, you know, buy a bunch of houses or whatever. But if your parents, uh, if we have that, we can teach yeah. you how loans work and how, how to actually evaluate investments and, and things like that. And so you can kind of, if, if you've got to that point in life, like why would you start your kids to learning journey down at base level? Like why wouldn't you start at somewhere high? Like so as a, when Max is 12 years old, I'll teach him how to let's go look for properties. Let's go figure mm-hmm. out, you know, what's a good property buy. Let's go figure out how tenants work and how you deal with them and things like that. Like it's, it's, it's a level of education that now I've learned from mistakes, right? Like when we bought our first property and how that's all gone through, why wouldn't you pass that down? Why would you let your kid just go and relearn how to, like I said, pack grocery bags? It doesn't make sense. So it's, and, and again, then when, let's say by the time Max is 20, if he's got sufficient passive income to carry through his 20s and he doesn't have that insecurity about like paying rent or, or whatever the case may be, he can, he's in a better position to make better long-term decisions. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. if there's, if there's a single mum, she's got no choice but to have a couple of jobs and, and, and all that sort of thing. And whereas if, if Max has income coming in, he has a choice. Like he can, you know, he can go into the career that he wants and, and things like that too. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's about, like I said, not selling your time for money and thinking yeah. about how can we, like Michelle and I, build up for our kids something that they can keep kind of working through. Yeah, I'm finally getting my headphone back. Yeah. <laughs> little Got punk. Back. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here, you punk. Uh, <laughs> I think that, I, yeah, it's... Um, this this kid is is way better off um, than 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 most, and I I love being able to provide him opportunities to be able to do that. And um, I don't know, it's it is a, an unbelievable passion of mine, and it sounds like you're you're right on that that same path. Um, and yeah. and with baby number two coming, you better get ready to double it up because uh, yeah. man, oh man, right. it gets it gets more and more exciting. Now I'm going to create them two as business partners. I'm three now that I've got three as as all business partners and try to create them and bring them in. You know, one of the questions I like to ask is how you're going to involve the kids in the in the business and you or if if you're going to. And it sounds like you are well on your way of thinking through that. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, but it's uh, and it's also like I mean, so I've got the highest grade um, GC license you can get in Australia, okay. and it's quite hard here to do that it's taken me 12 years and it's something that's only going to get harder so by the time max Mm -hmm. is old enough to actually apply for a license it's going to be super difficult for him to get that whereas if i've already got it and you know i'm not saying like nepotism type stuff but like if if i've got the license we'll do something together like i'll be the the licensing partner but he's got to come up with you know whatever he wants to do with it and cover my risk and my exposure and everything but you know of course, I'm going to do that for my kid and my kids. Sorry. So it's, yeah, it's again, why wouldn't we utilize something that I've worked hard for, for the next generation and, and thereafter even. And, um, you know, we, Michelle and I speak about this sort of stuff all the time. Like, how would we, how would we do it? Like we, so we've got a family trust and all that sort of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and how would we bring our kids into it and, and allow them, like, we don't want to do the allowance thing. Like, we don't want to just yeah. give them money for, for being alive <laughs> yeah. basically like yeah. you know I, I still want to instill you got to earn earn your share and, and go through it sort of thing so i don't know there's a there's a there's a way to go but you know it's something to think about and and figure out how can we how can we set ourselves up to help them from an early age yeah. 
not not help them in the sense of give them handouts, but help them be educated about finances and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I had zero education in finance, so I, I'd love to be able to pass a little bit more on to them than I, mm-hmm. than I had. You know, I, I think in, um, I learned how to balance a checkbook in like home economics class in high school, right? That <laughs> or junior high. That was about the, uh, the extent of my, my financial education, you know, and it was, uh, um, uh, I think it's, it would be ridiculous if, you know, like, let's look at, let's look at a lot of parents, like with sports, right? If somebody really loves football, um, uh, then they typically are going to try to get their kids into football, right? And they're going to teach them everything they know about football and all the stuff. Um, but yet for some reason, we don't look at the same stuff with, with life in general. If you look at just mm-hmm. your, your average family, um, they're not looking at all of the things they know about life and trying to pass them on to their kids. They'd rather just focus on these one or two things that society seems to think are the most important things for people to do at certain ages. And it's like, man, no, like I want my kids again, I want my kids to be a whole life successful, not just, you know, one, yeah. one or two things. I want them to chase their passions. Don't get me wrong. Um, but man, I want them to just be exposed to as much as possible. And, um, I think there's a lot can... of, um, when it comes to money, like I've, I've seen this quite yeah. frequently, like, you know, people who are wealthy and stuff as well, don't, don't converse with their kids about mm. money. And so yeah. you have this, like the second generation or the third generation at sometimes as well. That's like, yeah, like, yeah, my parents are well off, but you know, I don't really understand why mm-hmm. or, you know, what they do exactly and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah. I think it's like a taboo subject. I don't know why again, but like for me, it's like, I'd love to teach my kids like how compound interest works, you know, mm. and how you invest in shares, how do you invest in property, how you invest yeah. in business and, and what, what happens over time and things like that. Instead of just saying, like, I, I know a couple of people that weren't allowed to talk about money at home, mm-hmm. like growing up, they just weren't allowed. And it's weird because, you know, these, these, these adults now, don't know how to make informed decisions, like in terms yeah. of, you know, or they've got to go and make a bad decision and then learn from that, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I was lucky in the sense that, like, so my mum did speak to me about money and growing up my grandfather as well, he taught me a lot. Like, he'd take me to the bank, like, you know, he said to bounce check. Like, he'd take me to the bank, he opened my account and he showed me how to do stuff and, and things like that. He used to get me to play Monopoly with him and he yeah. had all these little games to kind of, like, teach me you know how to do that sort of stuff because as a kid you just want to play games but yeah he was teaching me like these these subtle lessons back then so i really owe everything i've done in terms of finance to like to my grandfather and it's sort of mm-hmm. those sort of conversations are what i want to have with my kids moving forward as well yeah. teach them that. that's awesome yeah so i'm glad that you had, you had somebody the there. <laughs> it is I, I mean that it really is all it is i mean it, it even you know life as itself is is kind of a game as you're as we're going through and trying to figure out you know how how to how to win or have successes in one area or another and you know even being a parent like how do i how do i know that i'm being a successful dad you know am i am yeah. i doing well in this game of being a dad you know and it's uh it's a constant uh um constant trial and error but you know yeah. that's it, it's still a game it's still something that and you can have fun with it you know and i like i truly just love being a dad as you could probably yeah. see just from him coming in after he <laughs> gave me my headphone back he like stuck his tongue out me in the way through the window and like did one of these <laughs> little things dancing away like, you little rascal um but you know that's the kind of relationship we have and i want to be able to continually do that and you know we've played monopoly i really don't want to get the cash flow uh 
board game for them. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to be, a, rich to be able to play yeah, that yeah. Rich Dad Poor Dad one. Yeah. Um, so my my au pair actually just bought her. She's from Brazil. Um, so I bought her um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Poor Dad in Portuguese. Um, our first au pair, she was from Colombia. So she I got got it for her in Spanish. So, um, you know, I'm trying to influence as many people as I can into uh, yeah, into yeah. these into these types of uh, conversations. And, um, you know, and I mean, even if she starts to talk to, you know, my boys and uh and my daughter about it um you know that's that's more influence for them too if she's like man your dad gave me this book and it's about blah 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 you know and like it just yeah. I, I want that conversation always like the tabooness of of money and like politics religion and money like i've i we've become so afraid to have conversations Mm. Because we said that things were off, off, you know, off limits, and I think that that that's one of the reasons that we have a, a whole group of people that are afraid to hear something that is dissenting from them because we've been told that certain things are just off limits you don't talk about. Um, that we now can't just have a conversation to say, okay, well, mm-hmm. how can we do better at this or how can we do better at that? Like, if we're not having conversations with our kids about money, then how do we expect them to do better than us at? managing it and building things yeah you can't talk to them about what our religious views are or can't talk to other people about these things then we're like it's one thing again to go back to go abundance not to like beat this dead horse with uh but we're a group of guys that have no problem breaking into each other's financial lives our family lives our um you know uh, be, uh, what we're addicted to types of lives what we need help in like our, our fitness like whatever it is break it down and say okay where how is it that you can improve this section of your life how is it that you could be a better dad a be a better husband um how is it that you can you know increase your net worth in a different way and you know why is it that you do these things with your business like that is how we all get better that's how we've always gotten better over millennia is by talking about what works and what doesn't work but yet we find yeah. these two or three things that we're like no 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 no, no. nobody could talk about those like those are tab- like how are we supposed to make how are our kids supposed to be better than us if we don't do that yeah. you know no. and that's the crux like you, you want your kids to be a better version of yourself but yeah. you know when with that sort of stuff adam like what i've found so like go abundance for example is everyone wants to improve yeah so everyone's happy like everyone's, everyone's like, you know, for me anyway, I can speak. I Like I've got the mentality where, all right, this group of people here knows how to do certain things better than I do. And I'm open and receptive to their opinions, to their suggestions. And, and you know, I'll make an informed decision on whether I change tack or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have people that are, you know, again, like you said, you grew up and you traveled and then there's people in your hometown that never gone away. And that's yeah. the thing, like p- people are so sheltered, they've only seen mm-hmm. one perspective that the when someone else shares their perspective, they feel like that's wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but that they, the other person should feel and think the same way that they do. And so they try and, you know, try and bring the other person to their perspective instead of being like, that's cool, that's that's works for you, you know, I respect that. And that's what, that's what people have those conversations because people yeah. think, if I bring something up, someone's going to argue with me and, you know, but they don't, they're not seeing my point and this and that. But if you're at a place where you're receptive and you're comfortable with how, however you're living life, but you're receptive to improvement and mm-hmm. open to suggestions and stuff, you won't be debating about, Hey, my way is better than yours. You'll be going, Oh yeah, that's, I see that. You, that's how you do things. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, I might take some of that and, and use it in my own life, but that, you you just have to accept that you're not going to get that from everyone. There's only oh, people that, the truth. that are 
And then there's people <laughs> that are just permanently in this victim mentality where, you know, yeah. they, they're never, they're never grateful for what life's thrown at them and, and what they've done with it. They're always looking mm-hmm. at that person has that and I don't. And, you know, and, and so they just, they, they spend their life looking for excuses and, and complaining. Whereas you have people like us, which will, will instead look for opportunities. Yeah. And when you look for opportunities, guess what? You're probably going to do better at life. It's just a different mm-hmm. perspective. So, yeah, you know, for when sure. you said you gave your repairs those books and stuff, we've done stuff like that too. Like we've, you know, when I've read something, I go, man, this is like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should be reading this, you know, and you give that to people. And I'm like, did you read that? Nah. Nah. Didn't have time. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. stopped doing that after that. And, and if someone asks, I'll tell them. And I was like, go buy this book and it'll tell you how to do stuff. Yeah. Do they buy the book? Probably not. Yeah. I was, I was commenting on a buddy of mine. Um, he had a uh, Facebook post recently. It was a quote from somebody else talking about how billionaires are built off of the backs of all of these people who will never become billionaires. And I'm thinking about, well, <laughs> that billionaire, first off, employed a ridiculous amount of people, right? And had the mindset and drive to be able to do that and actually read those books and implement the things that are going on where most of those employees will never pick up that book, will never read those things, will never have that drive to be able to do that. But yet they can still earn a living off of this person's drive and ability to do these things, right? Um, and they live yeah. in that victimhood. A lot of people, that's not not everybody, it's a generalization, mm-hmm. but a lot of people live in that victimhood mentality, especially right now, like you said. I mean, they're, they're, everybody's looking for how they can be a victim in one way, shape, or form. Um, and if that's all you're looking for, you will find it around every corner. If you're looking for yeah. somewhere that... Um, that you like that you're doing something wrong, or that some the world is out to get you. You will find it around every corner. It's that uh, yeah. what's it called the ah uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's basically like you buy a, a, a red Corvette, and now all of a sudden you see red Corvettes everywhere. Yeah, right? no, and it's like that, yeah. yeah, if if you're looking for it, you're gonna see it because now your your brain is open to seeing it. I've got something on up here. It says the the three monsters: don't feed the monsters, resistance, uh, distraction, and victimhood. Right. Um, don't don't always be resistant to everything that comes around. Don't be distracted by things that you shouldn't be distracted by. And never never be a victim. Right. You'd like you yeah. never have to be a victim. Um, and uh, I, I wish that more people thought that way and and you know change their brain in that in that fashion. But it's uh, it's become almost cool to be a victim nowadays. You know, if you're not a victim of one yeah. sort or another, then really, I mean, you're just now you're a part of the class that is victimizing other people. And it's like, well, Correct. you know, yeah. like I'm really screwed because I'm a cis white male that is, that owns businesses. <laughs> so I'm like ultra screwed on like putting, putting people down. So it's, yeah, that's dreadful. And that, that sort of bias is what, you know, there's, there's obviously the, the politics and religion, like yeah. people kind of separating themselves. But then when you count to money, like oh, most people yeah. see money as evil, right? Like uh-huh. this, this, this thing that, and I'm like, no, nah, it's just a tool. It's just yeah. a tool. Yeah. Right, like you're just using the right tool for the right job. That's all it is. Like, there's no emotions attached with money. It's the same, like going going the other way, where people kind of the, the people that see it as evil, similar kind of people see it as, oh, if I have more of that, I'll be happy. You know, yeah. like I just gotta I just gotta keep stacking up. But again, that's not that's not what it is to me. Like, no. freedom's probably more important, right? Like, and money is just a tool to get me freedom. So you kind of, if you think of it from that perspective. It changes things, but yeah, like I don't know the victim mentality. It's I don't know whether it's a nature thing, whether it's a nurse thing, or what. But you mm-hmm. kind of at, at some point you just give up on those people because you go, man, you know, you've got the potential, but you kind of 
in here holding yourself back. Yeah. And I think coming no. from you is is extremely valuable to hear too, because you came from a spot where you were quite literally a victim, right? And yeah. you were able to come out of that mentality and push through. And it 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 should be inspiration for people to hear that sort of thing. Um, uh, and I really hope it is that if anybody's listening, that they came from that, you know, or or you know, they have a dad that's doing those things or whatever. Like you, there is light at the end of that tunnel, like you said earlier, and you can you can push through it. You don't have to. Um, uh, the way I, I try to look at it is you could be victimized without being a victim, right? Um, yeah. Like you don't have, like being a victim is something you hold on to. It's, but it's also something you can let go. So you could yeah. have been victimized and you can move on and you can move forward. We've all been victimized in one way, shape or form, but it doesn't mean you have to hold on to being a victim. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, I want to teach my kids that. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with that. Like it's, I'm, I actually am quite grateful for my childhood being the way it was. Like I, I choose to look at it that way because yeah. it's made me quite resilient. It's made me, I've got this like this bias in my head because whatever life throws at me now isn't as bad <laughs> as what mm-hmm. I've already, like I've already overcome a lot of things, right? Yeah. So it's like a walk in the park now. So, mm-hmm. and I, if I didn't have that childhood, I probably wouldn't be as successful as I am in my career. Like, let's be honest, they're, they're linked. Like mm-hmm. I said, although it started through a bad thing, that's what gave me my ambition or my drive or whatever. Like even though I was running away, if I didn't have that now in my mid-30s, I wouldn't be at a point in my life where I can say I'm doing well financially, I'm going to shut mm-hmm. my business down and hang out with my kids. I wouldn't be able to do yeah. that. I would have yeah, been in that it. cycle where, you know, I'm a drug addict or whatever because I'm mm-hmm. going, worry me, like I shouldn't have, you know, I was unfair. Life just is the way it is and that's, that's the harsh truth. So you yeah. either look for opportunities and you, you try to improve and become stronger or you're stuck with that mentality. That's why, like, I didn't become a drug addict because I was like, no, why would I do that to myself? Mm-hmm. That's not helping anyone. I'd rather, and same thing, like, I'd rather go and get a job. Like, there's plenty of jobs out there, right? So you, can, mm-hmm. you can't perpetually be in this thing where my life was bad, so it's just always going to stay there. It's not. You can, yeah. look, you can look at all right, if it's not good enough here, I can move. Or, you know, you always have a choice. You're never stuck anyway. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and, and one thing that matches that, something that I've, I've said a lot is um, failure is an event, not a person, right? So even mm-hmm. if you feel like you're stuck somewhere, right, this is, or if you failed at something and now you're never going to be able to succeed again at it, like it just, you failed at something. It doesn't mean you are a failure, right? Like you've been victimized by something. It doesn't mean you are a victim. Like it's time to pick up, you know, Pick up, move on, find somebody who can help, find a job that will get you where you want to go, get that side hustle that's going to help you do something, um, you know, become the better example for, you know, even if you're listening right now and you don't have any kids, but you're thinking about having kids or whatever, like how can you be a good example for your kids by fixing yourself now so that when you do have kids, you're, you're better off? You know, how do we always be striving to be 1% better, which is what I tell my kids. 1% better every day is all I'm asking for because you're, mm. you're, you're trying to improve and that's all I care about. But, um, yeah, I think that it's an opportunity to uh, uh, to show your children kind of what it's like to to push yourself through and and you know pick yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, as the the saying goes. Um, yeah. But, so let me I'm gonna change gears a tiny bit and go back to you. So you're, you're gonna be shutting the business down, traveling a little bit, doing all the stuff. So um, are you gonna be just keeping the real estate that you have already and 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 just using that to fund all of this, or are you planning to buy some more real estate while the while you wind down the business? What's your plan to continue? Uh, growing 
So we, we've got index funds as well, like low cost mm-hmm. index funds. And, you know, it's, there's always like property guys don't want to go down that track. We've kind of diversified them to both because with index funds, it's one of, it's just, it's, it's so simple that people mm-hmm. think that doesn't work. It's literally just like boring stuff, man. Like, and I hate it because the numbers for us anyway, like we don't have like, um, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and stuff like that here. Like yeah. the, the way you invest in property is a lot different to how you invest in the States. So when you're doing your sums, you kind of compare, you know, something that's super low effort, easy, like index funds for us here anyway, mm-hmm. compared to a, a somewhat active investment in property and, and upkeep and things like that. And like that over the long term just comes out a lot better. Um, so in the interim, so I'm still coaching and I do about like eight hours a week off that. And um, the way... The way we structured our exit out of the company is the the retained profits will be paid out over the next two, three years. And, you know, so we've kind of minimized tax and and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to do anything at all for the next three years, but I really, really enjoy coaching. So there is some income coming from there as well, which, again, like that will just come in and go into our investment. So we mm-hmm. we're looking at selling our property actually and and going into temporarily just back into our index funds. Or I'm looking at a so I know you do equity stuff. So I've got a couple of mates that do similar sort of stuff but commercial mm-hmm. properties. So yep. I'm looking at doing like a five to seven year investment into a commercial um investment and, and see how that turns out sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just to diversify. And I, I don't like we don't need um access to our liquidity for at least another five years. So I can do things nice. like that and go, that's all cool sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, in, in, the, in the meantime, like I said, I want low effort. So I don't want mm-hmm. tenanted properties that I have to deal with while I'm in a different continent. So yeah. I'd rather just put it into index funds and just forget about it <laughs> for now. Nice. And, again, like, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, I understand that the, the returns aren't as good as if mm-hmm. I did something actively, but that's the point. I don't want to be active. I yep. want to be a passive thing for the next five years. I can always be active. Like I'm 34 years old, right? So to me, losing losing five years in my 30s isn't a big deal. Like mm-hmm. thankfully, compound interest is now just going to keep working away from me anyway. So it's not that yep. I'm going to go backwards. Um, we're not going to dig into our savings and, and lose out sort of. Mm-hmm. And so five years now, five years on, we'll be in a better position. And I'll, I'll in fact have access to more liquidity that I can then utilize to do whatever I want. And then it will be what are, what's a good investment at the time, five years from now, which may be different to what it is now. As you know yourself, like it's never, you know, I don't see like a, a 40 year span of like a career sort of thing. Like I'll do Mm -hmm. whatever needs to be done from a five year perspective because things change. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are you thinking about opening another business again in those five years or really just have no idea? Just kind of let's play it by ear when we get there. Um, mate, like, you know, our business is just wrapping up. Like by the end of this month is when it'll be, it'll be fully done. Like we've got uh-huh. a couple last projects finishing up, but because we, we decided like six months ago, I went through like this mental thing where it's like, Oh no, that's going. I have to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I kept going away from like the plan being to do nothing. So, you know, I was evaluating buying, like I, I nearly impulse bought a block of units, the multifamily mm-hmm. units and things like that. Like, and Michelle's like, 
<laughs> we just said we're not going to do this. And I was like, I know, but it's an opportunity, you know, because you just geared that way to just look yeah. for opportunity and yeah, something yeah. pops up. You go, you kind of get FOMO at the end of the day. Yeah. But it was just, again, tenants, right? We're not, no, we don't want tenants. Like, yeah, it's a good investment. We don't want tenants. Get away from it. So the next five years, it may just be, like I said, putting it into those commercial investments and stuff like that, like yep. into, into people that will manage investments instead of me actively doing it. And again, I know not as high as a return, but I don't want the activity. And then five years from now, like the, the options are quite endless. Like I said, I've got the highest grade GC license. I could do, yeah. I could basically build multifamily units ourselves and, mm-hmm. and sell them, keep some of them or whatever we want to do. Um, but I kind of, I put this challenge upon myself to find opportunities that are completely unrelated to my career so far. Mm-hmm. Because I want to try and build on a muscle to just look for business ventures outside of my area of specialty to see what else is out there. Because I, you know, it's kind of like a competence thing. I know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. Yep. So I want to try and learn something that's a completely different industry and, and how they do things. Like with, with tech and AI coming through, like the construction mm-hmm. industry is usually the last one to kind of you know, take stuff on board. We're pretty slow with yeah. that sort of stuff. So. I'd like to venture more into that side and, and see what's out there. But, you know, it's, again, just being receptive. I'm open to, to new things coming by. I'm open to learning new things as well um, and seeing what we can make of it. Like, I know in our 40s, Michelle and I will have some sort of business again. It's just the way we're yeah. white. And, yeah. you know, once the kids start school, what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot, lot, lot more spare time. So, and it, it'll definitely be a business. Like, we, yeah, we're not, we won't make good employees. Anymore, yeah, you anyway. sound like you're going to want to open a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's you know, and I, I've kind of looked at small businesses, you know, buying and flipping small businesses. So like mm-hmm. buying them off people that are retiring, yep. fixing them, and selling them to investors and packaging and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's it's again, you know, the freedom when you've got passive income coming in, you can kind of pursue something that you want. Something nice. like, you know. You can learn something from as well, not just become yeah. stagnant and do the same thing. Like I wouldn't yeah, want to start sure. a GC business again doing the exact same thing we did now because I feel like mm-hmm. that chapter's closed. So I want to do something new. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the passive stuff goes, do you know Shane? I think his last name is Stokes in, uh, in Go Bunnets. He's another Australian guy. Um, Shane? He, yeah, Shane. He lives in Florida. Um, uh, so while, while you're here in Florida, you should try to link up with him, but he does a lot of passive investing stuff, um, and runs kind of the passive investing micro tribe, um, with, uh, within GoBundant. So I'd reach out to him if I were you and kind of say, Hey, I'm yeah, sure. other passive investments to do different things, but they, they love to pick apart different businesses and, um, you know, different, different opportunities that, that pop up, um, you know, inside of GoBundance and outside of GoBundance and they'll help vet them with each other and learn, learn about it all. So, um, he would definitely be somebody I'd recommend you reach out to. Um, yeah, and and you'll like his accent, uh, so you know. More. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, the uh, I I love that you've set yourself up in a way that you you're you seem like you're living life very intentionally at this point and really trying to you know. Um, to me, intentionality is key. It's one of the reasons I left the military before I even retired. I was really close to retirement and just left. And it was like, I needed to be intentional about what I was doing, um, which was impossible to do when I was being told where to go and when to be there and how, you know, how long I needed to be gone. So, um, 
I love that you're extremely intentional with it and you're, you know, dedicated to the family and wanting to travel and do all this stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you've set yourself up very well and I, uh, um, I'm impressed, excited. I'm sure there's, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Hopefully while you're in Florida, if I can, I live in Florida. So if I can have an opportunity, I'd love to try to meet up with yeah, you while sure. you're here. But, um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, and, you know, yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate it, man. It's like, like I said, learning new things. So at the moment, yeah. like with the intentionality, it's about learning how to be a better father and a better husband. So mm-hmm. the, I used to read business books all the time or self-help books or whatever. Now I'm reading like parenting books and, and how to help my yeah. kids even when they're teenagers. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do when, when these kids are very young to ensure that as that, like the healthy adults mm-hmm. or, or teenagers or whatever down the track. So, you know, it's, it's sort of, I've always had like a long-term mentality, like anything I do today, how does that help me or people around me 10, 15, 20 years from now? That's always been mm-hmm. my thing. So I'll just stay on that. And it's kind of, you know, I can tell you like compared to 18 years ago, it's pretty, it, it does work out in the long term. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, there's one book that I read. I, I can't remember anything specifically about it, but I remember that I liked it. It was called Dad, Tired and Loving It. Um, and it was just talking about all the things that you do as a dad and how it's exhausting, but you love every second of it, you know, and it's, uh, like even the hurtful moments, the times that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with my wife and there's, you know, we're, we're coming to tears about one thing or another or one struggle that we're having or, you know, whatever it is. Like when you look back on it and go, man, it was just a lot of fun just do, going through that with, with, you know, my son. Like there was one time in, in Bali, we were traveling and we were out in Bali and my son was just literally just started choking on a bunch of chicken. Like he, he, um, took this big bite of chicken. I had like 104 fever. We're on vacation. I'm laying out on this thing and all of a sudden my son just, like starts choking on this chicken just uh, zero breathing zero anything completely gone so i'm like smashing on his back finally get all this chicken to come out um my wife freaks out i freak out for a minute he starts breathing again and he's like okay i'm good starts eating his his chicken again with this big blob of chicken and slobber on the ground and uh you know i was miserable in that moment like just laying there just absolutely miserable like i was I'm, i'm not enjoying this vacation at all i'm supposed to be having fun but then you look back on it later and you're like man we made the best of it the boys loved it they loved bouncing around of these things like we had these fun stories about my son almost dying on the side of the pool like you know it's just like yeah. man like as no matter what it's always exhausting but it's always fun and it's always been worth it every every moment of it has been uh been worth it. i've struggled a lot with a bunch of different things which i think that's normal um you know but you know again it goes to that what we talked about before about being willing to talk to people about where you're struggling and um you know i'm not the first person to uh have an eight-year-old son so why don't i go talk yeah. to some others who have done a good job of being dads to eight-year-old sons and go learn something yeah. you know? it's you know it's hard man like it's not easy yeah. being a parent right and yeah. and you know I'll, I'll give an example like when so i listened to your podcast with your father right mm-hmm. and and i was like i don't have that relationship with my dad and it's it, and i and i looked at that going i hope that one day i have this sort of relationship with my kids where we yeah. can we can converse and you know and have that sort of stuff and it made me realize that i i don't have a, a compass or like a blueprint of what to do as a father mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I'm looking at reading books and educating myself and stuff like that. But part of that as well is obviously when you're struggling or when I'm struggling with something, I need to talk to my friends or my father in law or, or other people that, that have had kids that I can find out what to do. Again, if I, you know, I'm realizing if I kept the same mentality or I just keep it to myself, probably not really going to, not going to end well in the long term. Yeah. Right. So I, I, yeah, I'm a big proponent of people just, 
just opening up conversation about what they're struggling with. And it's, I don't really see it as a, as a, as a weakness or whatever. It's just that, Hey, there's this thing that's an issue for me. I don't know what the solution is. What have you guys done? Mm-hmm. And then you learn to be better. Yeah. Much agreed. All right. I think yeah. that's a, sounds like a great place to stop, you know, uh, in, in sticking out with each other, pushing each other through, um, being open, honest. I mean, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm really, really glad that, uh, that you jumped on. Um, it was fun to, to uh, fun and sad and exciting to kind of hear your story going through all, all the yeah. stuff. I mean, I, uh, I can't imagine somebody's going to listen to this and not getting something out of it. Like, um, but it was, uh, I am, uh, uh I am, how do I want to word it? Like incredibly proud to see kind of where you've come and what you've done, like hearing your story. It was, uh, um, man, I really look forward to meeting you in person and, and being able to shake your hand. And it was, uh, uh, I, I want to congratulate you on a job well done thus far. Um, keep up that, that thought process, that hard work, that drive, um, you know, and, and, Please reach out if you ever have questions about being a dad. It's different stages, different things. Um, I uh, love this stuff, so I'm happy to, to help wherever I can. But um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, wants to get a hold of you or anything, uh, what's the best place to uh, to be able to do that? Um, I'll just go off Facebook again. <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I'm you. not really – yeah, just after I joined GoBundance, but I'm not really a, a social media guy. Like, I don't have it yeah. on my phone or whatever. But, you know, it's probably – if you if you Google my name or go on Facebook and search my name, that's probably the best way. Or um, like I said, I do uh, construction business coaching for mm-hmm. a firm called the Construction Leading Edge. So if you go on that website, you can shoot me a message through that. And that's been like it's funny like with with working with other construction business owners, you know, a lot of the drive again for them is create freedom out of their businesses so they can spend yeah. time with their families. It's you know it's the same thing. You know, like the pattern is mm-hmm. very similar. People aren't trying to like turn their businesses into this thing that's going to, I don't know, give them fancy cars or whatever. Like they, they just literally yeah. want the business going well so that it supports all the employees, the clients, blah, 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 but also mm-hmm. so they can have time with their families. So most people's goals are just freedom at the end of the day. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I, I, uh, I hope somebody reaches out to you. I, I, if I know anybody that's looking for a coach on that front, I'll definitely have them reach out to you. Uh, thank you again very much for jumping on. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Um, if you stick around for a second, I'll, I'll end the recording, but uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up on the other side. But thank you, everybody, for listening. All Hopefully, a bunch of you by this point. Um, hopefully, I've got a, a bunch of people listening. But uh, uh, thank you again very much. Thank you uh, for everybody for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.